Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Ramin Karamloo and welcome to my podcast, The Hang, where I get to hang out with some of my friends and get some much-needed face-to-face time and talk about, well, whatever. Today, I get some face-to-face time with Lambert Jackson. Lambert Jackson is a production company dedicated to producing musical theater shows and stunning one-night performances. Founded by Jamie Lambert, CEO, and Eliza Jackson, creative director, the company made its debut at Cadogan Hall in August 2018 with There's Nothing Like a Dame, 100 Years of Women in Musical Theater. We worked together for the first time with the production company's biggest success to date in the sellout and critically acclaimed UK premiere of Dr. Zhivago. In our hang, we talk about new writing, their goals on casting, diversity, and I learn about how amazing they are and what they're doing and how beautiful they are as human beings. I'm so fortunate that they are also my friends. I'm grateful for the hang. Welcome to the hang. Today we have the wonderful Jamie Lambert and Eliza Jackson otherwise known as Lambert Jackson Productions. Nice. <laughs> Did I do that correctly? Yeah, Did I, I, say mean, correctly? I don't know if we've ever been produced so poshly. Have we? I mean, poshly. Poshly and quite announced? French. So announced would be the word, not produced. There we go. Oh, I'm not thinking straight. I think Jamie's going to do all the talking today. I don't think so. You'd be surprised. Eliza's the kind of person who says that she doesn't want to do interviews and then suddenly she is the interviewer. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> don't. This is too much pressure. I can't go. <laughs> so, Lambert Jackson Productions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did it all start? Because we know you've got you're in Calabro. Mm-hmm. Where did you train? So I trained um, classically. I did a mentorship scheme with English National Opera. Um, and that was like a youth thing uh, where one of the principals, when they had principals, took me under his wing and trained me for a couple of years. Um, and then I decided that I still wanted to do opera but wanted to get a degree first because in opera, male voices, they mature, you know this, they mm-hmm. mature much later. So I had time. So I went to do a degree in Spanish. Wow. And then I moved down to London and um, went to a little place called the Associated Studios with a lady called Leontine Haas, 
where I met Eliza, who had already trained at the National Institute for Dramatic Art. Correct, in, in Sydney, Sydney, in Australia. Which is like their RADA. Very, very, um, very, very posh and very highbrow. Oh, thanks. And very hard to get into, <laughs> so she's very good. Um, and oh, good she came you. over to do the same course as I did, which was like a conversion course to meet people in London, like agents and creatives and stuff. And did you go straight from that to Calabro? Or did you do West End? No. Well, we Eliza and I both auditioned for years for West End stuff. And, really? Um, yeah, we did. And yeah. Eliza, you didn't get in? Babe, it was, I think... I I think perhaps maybe I'm quite niche and I think maybe my talents didn't fit perfectly into the little boxes that sometimes the West End has already established. Um, so I had some success in smaller things and then I wrote my own show, which was kind of how we ended up getting into producing mm-hmm. because I we decided that would be the first show that we would produce. We took it up to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Which did phenomenally well. And which it was, was? one. Uh, it was called "The Voice Behind the Stars," which was uh, a story about Marnie Nixon. She was probably the most prolific uh, voiceover artist who sang. She dubbed for all the voices like Marilyn Monroe, Deborah Carr. Wow! Yeah, really Wait, cool story. And this something you wrote? I wrote it. We produced it, um, and I performed in it. And we got. We actually made money at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and we got five star reviews across the board. And made money off an amazing, massive tour that we did of Australia with it, um, which ended at the Perth Fringe Festival. Really? Um, yeah, it was cool. It was amazing, and so, the reaction to the show was fantastic. I mean, you have—we're talking like five star reviews from Broadway World across the board. Like it was, it was brilliant. Excuse my ignorance. What was the the character's name? Marnie Nixon. So Marnie she's a Nixon. Marnie Nixon. Yeah. So she, you'd know her voice from this. Movie soundtracks from West Side Story, um, My Fair Lady. My Fair Lady. Uh, she sa- um, she sang. I could have danced all night. That was that was her. Yeah. So is Audrey it, Hepburn's voice? Is it because I know nothing about <laughs> the industry I'm in that no, I don't know this name, or is that the whole is, point? This is the whole point that it was so. Um, it was such a secret subject. There was a lot of people who were dubbed. So for West Side Story, the movie, uh, there was I think six lead characters. Five out of the six, their singing voices were dubbed. Well, it's amazing, isn't it? It's very interesting because, you know, sometimes you get... But she did end up having a role in um, The Sound of Music, didn't she? Yeah, so that she only ever had one. She had over 200 dubbing credits to her name and she had one on-screen credit. Um, it, it Her life was just incredible. And, and then, who was it? How, did, how was it? You were telling me a story about how she um, dubbed for a movie. I think it was uh, West Side Story. And the only reason that she got any money out of it was because... Bernstein actually gave her one of his producer points. That's correct. So she basically got no credit. So like absolutely no credit. She has credit now, but we're talking like 50 years after the case. So no credit, very little pay. Like she got $200 for her work on My Fair Lady, which was obviously worldwide smashed. And she is the actual voice on I Could Have Danced All Night. This, yeah, these, you would have grown up listening to her voice, but you had no idea. We need more stories about these strong, uh, incredible well, women. Like it, this is why it was so successful. And every yeah. single person said how every reviewer said how fantastic it was to have seen something that actually they knew basically very little about. Yeah, where the review saying, "How do we not know this woman?" Yeah, and like the amount of people, especially um, probably the older generation who grew up going to those films in the cinema, they'd come up to me and be like, "I have." gone my whole life without knowing this information. Like, I thought I was a massive fan of these films and of mm-hmm. these actors, and I knew nothing. And but it that touched is, people. It, yeah. It, like, genuinely did, both here and in Oz. Same reaction from everybody was that it was a, a piece that really spoke to them. Can we and get the story back up on its feet? 
Where's, oh, where's we, the, where it is could it now? Come out when it, I mean, it's 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 there and ready, isn't it? You it still is. got the rights to your own show, obviously. I have the rights to the show as I've written it. Uh, getting the rights to the songs is a trickier situation um, because obviously. There's the Rodgers and Hammerstein stuff. There's the Bernstein stuff. There's it's something we found really, really frustrating because it, in it's different in the UK than it is in Oz. But in Oz, we managed to sort it. It was still very expensive. They take a, quite a large cut of the box office for some minimum spend. And um, there were some songs that we weren't allowed to use. Or like I had to send so many different scripts with markings on how the themes would be used and um, like that I wouldn't be manipulating the, the story or you know, putting anyone in a bad light. So there was, right. yeah, quite a lot of rewriting had to happen. Part of that is fair, I think. A hundred percent. But I do think that this is one of the first things we learned as producers from this show was that actually it's, it, a lot of the times, now we've been very lucky in our most recent productions, A, with um, Dr. Shivago and B, with Secret Garden, to, to work with really good people who are the guys that curate the rights, for example, MTI or Samuel French, really helpful, genuinely want you to do the shows, want mm-hmm. you to produce things, and we couldn't speak more highly of them. But there have been rights holders who we've contacted who have been incredibly difficult right. to the point where it stifles young producers and young artists. And young writers. And young writers. And... I think there is a case for people to say that obviously some people will come back to that and say, well, you should write your own stuff. That's all very well and good, but does that mean that we shouldn't celebrate things that have been written in the past? And these stories will die. These songs will die if they can't get a new life. And the thing is, if anyone who saw the show knows that it was such a celebration of this music and... It was unbelievable. So the only thing, the hindrance for you in this show is the songs, not the actual story. No, the story itself um, Because you can tell whatever story you want. Absolutely. And I have... um, I had quite a lot of contact with the Marnie estate. Um, so they were really excited that I was telling her story. Of I was course. talking to her kids. They were like, please tell her mum's story. Where's she from? She's from the States. And where are they, where's the estate now? Uh, she's, yeah, in New York. Um, wow. Her kids are still based there. Um, so, yeah. But who knows? He might, might have a life later on. Now, with music, isn't there, after 75 years, it becomes out of copyright? Yes, but with things like the Rodgers and Hammerstein um estate and all of that i think there are different rules that come well they probably keep yeah they'll keep renewing it or something i'm not sure but i actually just thought of a really fun connecting thing so the first bit of dubbing work that money nixon did was on the secret garden film and she sang the hindi lullaby uh for Ah. the child actress in it um, Isn't that crazy? Which is fun because obviously we're all working on The Secret Garden, the musical together. And she didn't speak Hindi. She didn't speak Hindi. That's how talented this woman was. And obviously, yes, we are working on The Secret That's not going to happen nowadays. No, absolutely not. It's absolutely not, not going to happen. happen but, but kind of the, a fun little you connection. Think, you think that it's, it's challenging to find people who speak Hindi who are also actors, but it's just not. Like it, The thing is, we... My view, and it's the same thing with this Amdram thing, we talked about this, because there are a couple of Amdram societies around the UK who've been criticised for putting on all-white versions of shows that Mm. are typically not even set in um, an all-white setting. And um, the the response is, well, we're a charity and we're just celebrating music. Well, actually, I think we're at a point now where representation matters more than that. And we've talked very much about this as a... Um, three-piece in the past when we did Dr. Shivago about how we can make sure that there is a degree of diversity. Um, you yourself are Iranian-born. Mm-hmm. And there, it, it's really important to have 
a degree of diversity in every show, not for the sake of having diversity because for, for diversity's sake, but actually because that's what reflects the world around us now. Yeah, and there is so much talent out there. I think it'd be hard not to find talent from all walks of life. I still think, you know, may the best person you know, get the job, but I yeah. think there should be equal opportunity for everyone, for absolutely. sure. Absolutely. And then if there's a historical element, well, you got well, to tell you the do, truth. You, you know? have to be relatively true to the historical element, but even in historical pieces, um, say, for example, uh, this, like, just look at Hamilton. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's, that's an incredible th- way of showing diversity through a historical piece. It's mm. very, very clever. Well, it's kind of turning it on its head, isn't it? Absolutely. But yeah, that's it doesn't the, affect the story. It doesn't, you know. It, but look at how people love it. Yeah, I, I think that's where that is where the future lies for the industry. It doesn't lie in doing all white productions of Rent. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't lie in doing that. There was that uh, story a couple of years ago about that all white production of Showboat. I mean, what? Where? Who? What? Oh yeah, you should look it up. It's it's it's, hella, it's, all it's almost unbelievable that someone thought that was a good idea, and but people did. Um, as how can that work? Well, it doesn't. But this is, I think oh this, is, this is what we're saying. And that one thing, we had three things when we first started the company, three rules, that three mantras that we started the company with. One was to have inclusivity and to celebrate BAME talent. Mm-hmm. Um, one was to pay everyone fairly and treat everyone with respect. And the other one was to have at least 10% of all of our casts as a new talent who either hadn't worked before or hadn't worked for a while because they'd been out having kids or hadn't been seen for a while. So, you know, those were the three things that we really wanted to stick to and we've managed so far. And it's not easy. It isn't easy sometimes. It's incredibly easy to look at a show like Secret Garden and cast it all white. It would be so easy to do that. And also just to cast it all as names that, that we know. And those names are brilliant and would do an excellent job, but they're... They're finding work easily, yeah. whereas like it's so much cooler to bring in new talent. But the fact the fact that it would be easy for us, us to do that, for easy for us to cast names or easy for us to cast an all white show is part of the problem. And the reason it's easy is because that's the way it's been done for so long. And in the last few years, we're having this conversation, with, and that is all about what it's about, having the conversations about it. That's how you move forward. And it, it, for us, the fact that it's easy is an issue. To cast some a uh, cast a show as all white or cast a show as um, you know all names, and so what people have to do and what producers have to do at whatever level that like we've been going for a year and a half now we've got a Palladium show it's amazing yeah but producers of all levels have got to take responsibility and do the work to make sure that these problems are tackled head on rather than just going with what's easiest. I think a lot of people are getting on board though. Oh, they are. I think some of the stuff that's coming out of Britain at the moment is really exciting. But just look at our amazing director for Secret Garden, Nick Winston, who yeah. um, dropped us an email the other day saying, have we thought about this part as maybe diverse and, you know, this is a great role. And it it was, we we just looked at each and said, oh, we love that because we love that he's so clued up to it and we think it's important that everyone is so clued up to that. Because sometimes you can flip things on its head and turn and why not? Well, we had conversations about this, but, you know, um, Secret Garden, about yeah. whether we could um, well, there was that gender role, flip I said, a role. Could we gender or, yeah. flip? Um, and we always, we, I mean, we are always thinking about this. Mm. Um, but again, it has to work. We're working on two new pieces of writing, um, one called The Throwaways that is in workshop stages, which has a lead woman. Great. And she's the one who gets shit done. But not she- only, she's a lead woman in a in an industry. It's a, like a comic book kind of um, card game 
like uh, almost like geeky thing. It's considered geeky, which is a, which is still now a very male dominated, mm-hmm. male driven. I grew up with it, you know, industry, and she's a lead woman. Yeah, and it's cool. That's an exciting story for us. And then we've just started working on a new Christmas show, uh, which will be a kids show. Um, we can't talk too much about it yet, but that's another female heroine. Um, are you writing these? No, not writing this. With this is with two new excellent writers okay. um, that are young. But these are people who we. If we see a piece of new writing, it's normally Eliza who sees it because Eliza's the creative director, and I sit with my spreadsheets, um, <laughs> who are my friends. It's very Sweeney Todd. <laughs> I would think these creep. are my friends, but I just hold up my laptop. Um, <laughs> yeah. And um, but you know, Eliza will see these new pieces of writing, or someone will submit to both of us. You know, we've got a group email, and Eliza will read through it and say, mm, "I think this is good," and then I'll read through it and I'll say, mm, "I think this is good." And if we can make it work, if we look at it and think this has got a future, there is something about new British writing that's so important in yeah. this country right now because for a long time, a lot of the stuff that we were, w- was on in the West End was significantly stuff that was coming over from Broadway. Right. And then suddenly you had everybody's talking about Jamie, which was amazing. You had Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, which was huge. Did you just say Cursed Child? I say Cursed. Cursed. You weirdo. The Cursed (laughs) Child. It's because I'm dramatic. Of course Um, you are. But, you know, we have these two amazing British pieces which are hugely successful, Um, one of which originated in the north, in Sheffield, about, um, you know... uh, it's uh, a very British story. Very though. British story. And um, it was a documentary, you know, in, in Britain. That's how it started. And I, I think there is just such space for new British writing. Recently, one thing that I, I sort of wish we'd been involved in was Fiverr. I, I thought yeah. Fiverr looked amazing at the Southwark Playhouse, which is Alex Ellison and Tom Lees wrote it. Had um, Heber in it. It had Luke Bayer in it and um, a couple of other amazing people. But... Um, good new British writing that deserves to be celebrated. We've got another um, big season of uh, cabaret shows in the Other Palace studio space in January as well. So nice. two weeks and that's celebrating. We're going to live there basically for the whole of January. We are, yeah. Well, that space is incredible. Isn't it's it? Isn't how good was you, we just did your show there. But isn't that what they're doing and what they're uh, allowing to be done? Mm-hmm. Well, this is really interesting. And where this came from was Calabro were doing our fourth album. And it actually turned out to be the first concert thing that we we put on. And um, we, we did an album launch in the other palace. And it just sort of came from us looking for spaces. We talked to the Albert Hall. We talked to um, a couple of other spaces. Um, and something about the vibe of the other palace just mm-hmm. worked really well. And then we were sat together one day and we just came up with the idea of what if, because at the minute you have limited spaces for a West End star who might not be so known outside of musical theatre, but who obviously you could have sold a much bigger venue, but we talked about that and it was beautiful to do an intimate space. But a lot of the people that we bring into the other palace are West End stars who, you know, whose only option really to do solo concerts is one of the smaller cabaret spaces that are 80 to 100 seats. And the other palace is 312 Right. And there but but without it is bigger, but it still feels, and you know from playing that stage, just as intimate because of the way it's raked. Yeah. The way the audience is raked. Everyone feels like they're right in front of you. Also, it's such a nice theatre. It feels really like classy. They've and got a hundred you know? kinds of gin. And it's, <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's <laughs> That's such <good>. a <laughs> But we, we talked to them and they were so we have such a great relationship with Lloyd Webber Theatres. Um we've got obviously because we've got the Palladium now as well, but the other palace the team, they just felt like what they wanted to do, we wanted to work away with them to take a take a theatre on a dark day and bring in somebody to do a really intimate, 
West End standard concert, which is not easy. And the first season was great. We didn't we didn't do amazingly well off it financially because we did, were sort of learning about how it would work and also we you know make sure we pay everyone properly, etc. But then it blew up because of the first because of the success of the first season. The second season was mad, like it was crazy the numbers that we were doing. And is it hosted by anyone each night, or is it just no, no, different it's just artists come that on? Artists come in. So like last season, we had Amy Atkinson, who's just been announced in Pretty Woman um, from Six. We just had um, Jodie Steele. We had Joe McKeldery. We had David Hunter. David Hunter, what a dream! Um, we had Jason Pennycook, who's Jason in Pennycook Hamilton. Oh man, big fan. And um, and more, you know. And these guys, they come in. Alice Fern from Wicked. And we these give, guys, they come in and they just, we give them complete creative control, provided they stick within a certain set of rules that we've got about how, like, timings and what they can have on stage and stuff. Right. They come in and they create their own shows. And the difference between the shows... Is amazing. It's... Mad. Some, yeah, they, because they have the opportunity to release their creativity. It's so fun to see what they come up but with. But, like, in our studio shows, which are much the similar... Um, thing, but they're smaller. Um, in uh, we've got New Year, New Favorites, which focuses on new writing, new arrangements, um, etc. We've got two weeks in the other palace in January, and you've got Sejar Keshwala, who is n- who is going to sing like pop because that's what she does. She's oh, a yeah. riff queen, and she's amazing. It's going to be like pop gospel, like absolutely. Please, it's going to be cool. It's going to be amazing. And then we've got um, Lou Diamond. Oh man, well, she's a dream. Probably the best voice. Uh, one of the best voices I've ever heard. Like, and she's just a great human being. Oh, she's so nice. She's, we were talking about that. We were in a meeting this morning just talking about how much we love We Lou basically Demon. talk about Lou Demon all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, as but, we you know, should. We, as we should. <laughs> but we have these these this range of people and every single show is good. And if we've actually got a guy, this was a bit of a rogue one, but we've got a guy called Joe Ashman who um, is uh, is trained in, in theatre, um, but is in... Netflix series. He's an actor in Netflix, uh, two Netflix series. Um, massive like following of like crazy young women. Um, but just we just I just I know him of old, and I just texted him and said, "Do you fancy coming in and doing one of these shows?" Because I know he plays piano and plays guitar and um, sings. He said, "Yeah," and it sold really well. But because but it, it's something that he wouldn't normally do, and that's why every single show that we're doing is is great. On the second of March, with Divina De Campo, who was a drag race finalist in the mm-hmm. UK, um, but we've also got John Owen Jones. We've got um, Jordan Luke Gage. Jordan Luke Gage. We've got uh, Maya, Maya Kwanzaa Breed. Um, but then the big, 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 big show is April fourth, which is Secret Garden, Da-dum. which we're very, very excited about after the success of Doctor Zhivago. And we're so um, excited that you're coming we back. Are. Hey, I'm excited that you guys are having me. I appreciate oh, it. Just the music's so just magic, isn't it? Yeah. What we didn't realize was we we knew how popular the show was, but we didn't realize the place that it had in people's hearts. Like just the pre-sales today. Yeah, I'm sure we can talk about that. Like, I've been amazing. Uh, talk to me. Like the pre-sales have been amazing today. As a producer, what what would what do you expect from a pre-sale that would make you happy? Jamie and I were kind of talking about this. Pre-sales, especially the first day, the kind of hype and excitement from that will definitely reflect how it's going to do on the main sale, sale. On, on yeah general on sale how is this compared to Dr. Zhivago pre-sales I think we're going to do the same amount of pre-sales today that we did in the first day of general on sale for Dr. Zhivago right that's so amazing it, I think we're going to get quite close I think mixing the the name of the secret garden having you Lucy Jones and Jack Yarrow as well as at the London Palladium that's a 
Hopefully. And they have a huge base. Like the London Palladium have yeah. a huge base. But what's nice is, is that all of you have done things for LW Theatre. So you did your own show at the Palladium. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got all the phantom stuff for you as well. They've still got that information, the booking information. They've got all of the um, waitress, in, stuff, waitress for stuff for Lucy. They've got all of the Joseph stuff for Jack. So they've got people who've seen you guys before who they can directly email, which is great. Right. And these people all love you because they've seen you perform. So we're I mean, really hoping well, it's going to be... A crazy buzz. But it is a beautiful story. It's oh. beautiful music. As we, you know, we've got to know Lucy. Well, I've known Lucy for quite some time. Lucy Simon, the composer. Lucy, and who's coming over to see it. She's she told to us come. today. She is. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. It's going to be her, like, birthday trip. Oh, that's so We're obsessed with her. It, yeah, just... it, and it's a big special birthday, too. So it, we've but got to make sure it's like, perfect. Sometimes late at night, one of us will just email her and copy the other one in and be like, hey, Lucy, how you doing? Oh. <laughs> yeah, we love you. Goodbye. We, we, we just like to leave a little note. Um, but she's she's amazing, and we just fell in love with her when she came over. We just completely fell in love with her. She's such a gentle genius. Yeah, that's she really what, is. That's what I would describe her as. She's and a gentle And the music genius. is special, and it's heartfelt and but anyone who loved Chivago and that music like if it's you don't know Secret Garden the review that, that that is the same kind of lush soaring beautiful piece yeah she's cinematic wasn't mm. a beautiful scene Lucy's face after the show and seeing the reaction that her Dr. Chivago got well my I'm getting goosebumps thinking about my, it so Eliza spent the whole show in the lighting box being a genius and um, I spent you the, were a genius and you a genius. are a genius Eliza she's very Thanks. clever <laughs> Um, I, I spent the whole show running around in the front of house trying to deal with any merchandise crises and also trying to make sure that everyone was happy and sad and all that. And um, I, in the second show, sitting with Lucy. And I, at the end, had gotten up and gone around to get ready to take Lucy and Amy, Amy to the stage mm-hmm. um, to do their kind of like speech at the end, which was amazing for everyone there. Oh, the cast incredible. lost it. Um, you remember? Yeah, I, I, and, I was so happy and surprised to see Amy there as well. Oh, yeah. she's lovely. She seemed really thrilled as well. With she her. was, and they came down. And I remember I turned around and I was at the edge of the row and I saw Lucy and she was, her face, honestly, I, I burst into tears. Wait. I have messages from people who'd seen me being like, did you really cry that much? Does Romain know what Lucy said at the end about our production of Dr. Shavala? I don't think I ever told you. Tell him. She said that she'd never seen herself reflected in her work like she'd seen it that night. Which to us, like, well, obviously we just went to pieces because that, hmm. that's the kind of thing you do. But she's just that kind of person who you can't help but completely fall in love with. Mm-hmm. People still ask me what's happening with Dr. Zhivago. Oh, they ask us too. We I get mean, asked on like almost a daily basis. We just, we think the show is so special and we do hope there's a future for it. So obviously, I know you guys are a great producing duo and you're doing amazing work. Is Dr. Zhivago something you're still working at? Is something yes. you'd like to see? It's something we'd love to see. It's something we're working at. I think the thing is, um, it has a long history and there are a lot of people involved. Yeah. And there are things that we'd like to do to the show to make it relevant to a UK audience and to make it relevant to an audience today that um, I think are alarming to some people because obviously when something is your baby and you spent yeah. so long and it wasn't an easy show for those guys Dr. Zhivago because it went from place to place to place and it had various degrees of success but it is a phenomenal show yeah but it there was some turmoil with it and I think when a new producing duo come along and they want to shake it up it can be a bit difficult and actually they they have been amazing with us those guys but it's just about making sure that we do what's necessary to make it it will be quite a show. process to right. get yeah. to the point that we want the show to be at but a work in progress yeah 
I think so. So what's the best way to, uh, when this comes out, straight to the Palladium website? Yeah, yeah. you go straight to the Palladium, LW Theatre's website. It is on there and just get your tickets. Yeah, oh, you're going to want your tickets is what we I can th- say. I don't <laughs> think a concert has been done like this in London for quite a lot of time. And in saying that too, if you want to follow Lambert Jackson Productions on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, LJ Prods on Twitter. And also um, Secret Garden London as well. And yeah then that's you'll be the first people to hear all the news and all the news all the exciting stuff coming well you guys are doing such amazing work it's definitely worth the while to follow lj pro, pro. how do you say your lj, LJ prods. prods for twitter LJ and then prods. lambert jackson productions for facebook and see it is Instagram. the problem with uh predictive texting you never it just comes up so you yeah just, you never actually learn it just it's there totally um, but yeah well, thank you for having us on the show thanks for though. coming pleasure you are one Let's of come our faves we are <laughs> our offices around the corner whenever you need us okay <laughs> love you guys thank you so much thank and you great work thanks that was Jamie Lambert and Eliza Jackson of Lambert Jackson Productions I had a great time hanging with them I find them incredibly interesting and love their passion for their company and what they want to achieve I think they're only going to go strength to strength the Hang is produced by Dory Berestein and Alan Seals from the Broadway Podcast Network. You can find me online at bpn.fm forward slash The Hang. Don't forget, you can connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at Ramin Karamlu, on YouTube, a roaming Iranian, or my Facebook page, official Ramin Karamlu. Music for my podcast is by my friends in one of my favorite bands, The Dives. Please check them out at their website, thedivesmusic.com. Dot com. That's thedivesmusic.com, where you can get to know them, hear their incredible music, get links to all their socials, and most importantly, their tour dates, where you can find out where you can see and hear them live. They are truly a great band, and they are phenomenal live. Check them out. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.